Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to a bonus edition of What Load of Cobblers, the Phantom Town fanzine reborn in podcast form. I'm Tom Reed, and it's great to be joined by Michael Kirkham, creator of the Urban Goals Project, which celebrates the art of those goals drawn onto walls that were an integral part of street football for years in the UK, and it's probably still are to an extent. Hello, Michael. Hello, Tom. You okay? Yeah, very well, thank you. Just looking at your website of your many goals that you've you've, you've photographed, and do you know how many you've got in total? They're they're, they're great, great things. Yeah, uh, I, you know what? I've never actually counted, Tom, but it's it's several hundred. Uh, I wouldn't like to speculate on any more than that, but it's, um, yeah, at least 600 plus. Yeah. It shows actually how um, how important street football was and, you know, should be in English football culture and, uh, you know, just just getting kids out and playing in the street. Can you tell us a bit about your, your project uh, for the listeners? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, I kind of came up with the idea back in 2015, and I'd see one particular goal in Toxteth in Liverpool, uh, near to where I lived. And it just really struck me. I wanted to highlight the opportunities available to, to people born in certain postcodes. So that's why the play on urban goals, it's not just the, the literal goals themselves, but it's uh, the goals and aspirations of people growing up in these neighbourhoods, you know? Yeah. Um, and I really like the way you could tell that sort of story in a very simple, clean frame of, of just a goalpost um, and it was sort of born from that really um, obviously it's kind of evolved as the project's evolved and my understanding of it has evolved as well so it's 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 made me realize it in deeper ways and um, the meanings of it you know and it, it's it's been a surprise really I guess that kind of aspect to it nostalgic for me because I was a child of the 80s and I was speaking to my um my friend the other day about this that in you know a lot of people now kids are indoors probably right now as we speak playing FIFA on the computer and stuff like that mm. and we really never had I, I never really had a computer and there were they came around slightly later in terms of everyone having a console and stuff like that but only the posh kids really had a, like a Commodore 64 or something like that so we we just yeah. used to go out and play football all day there's literally no, there's no, nothing to do we love football but there was there was not a lot else to do so street games and street football football uh, just something that it, accessible to you know kids exactly. you know, of any you know any background you know, I just remember we would we'd either play we'd play on grass as well but, but street football was was a big thing and just 
what, what people used to do was either chalk a, a goal onto a wall or paint it on, and then you were away. You just needed a football. Even when I <laughs> fly away once from a shop, you were away and you could just play for hours. It was just um, exactly. a simple way of playing. And there was various various games you could play within that, wasn't there? Like um, headers and volleys and World Cup singles, all different varieties of games. But yeah, did, yeah. You, did you play yourself as well? Were you the sort of kid that played like that? I did, Tom. I mean, I'm the same. I was born 78. So when we did, growing up, we didn't have... You know, we didn't have money or anything like that. So outdoors was where we went in the holidays and stuff and after school. And it was very much, you know, football was a big part of that, you know. It's a, it's a different kind of life now, isn't it, for children, I think. You know what I mean? Unless you live in a real inner city place where there's, you know, less opportunities maybe, it's um, it's a big part of all of our childhoods, the, the goals. I'm actually, I probably consider myself an urban goals purist because the goal we had, I had a cricket wicket on it as well. Yeah, so some of the owners have got the cricket wicket painted on, and we used to we football was the, the thing we used to play like 99 percent of the time. But somebody would sometimes someone would bring a cricket uh, bat out, and we used to play street cricket, which was basically like we used to play it in the court where I'm from in Northampton, and yeah, yeah, someone would bowl the ball down, and you'd you'd hit it, and if you hit it over the wall, it was six and out. I remember, so you yeah. were out if you got over the wall because no one could be bothered to go and get the ball. <laughs> and was that a tennis ball? I'm assuming, or were you using actual cricket ball? <laughs> no, 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 it was just a tennis ball. It was just, you used yeah. to get those sets from the shop, I think it was. But um, yeah. we uh, we were probably, so we had a lot of London overspill in Northampton. So we had a lot of, we had a lot of overspill from everywhere. So we had a lot of kids from everywhere and they would bring their own sort of games and stuff. So not only, we'd be playing a lot of stri- games in the street. We had loads of different games. So we had the heads and volleys was a classic one, obviously. Yeah, that was a big one for us as well. Heads and volleys, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because that's really simple and really easy to play. And actually, if you hit the ball over the wall, you had to go and goal. That was a, that was one of the hazards because there was a wall at the obviously where the, the goal was, and that, that you could kick it over that. So that went over, you went in goal. And then um, then there was World, World Cup singles, which was called cool. it's called various things all around, sort of Wembley singles or something like that. But we called it World Cup singles, and just yeah. I just it was just all against all, wasn't it? And you, if you scored, you went through to the next round. Yeah. It got quite pressure pressure uh, filled towards the end. If it was just two of you left or something, it was quite. Absurd. <laughs> I was never at the end. I wouldn't have made it that far, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was also the uh, one of the games I remember. It was called. Um, this has probably got loads of different names as well. We called it Tin Soldiers, and basically it was just the most like horrendous game. You had to. Line up against the wall, all of you, all of the kids, and then someone would add the ball and from the penalty spot, and they used to actually just smack it. And if you get hit, you if you got hit by the ball, you were out. But yeah. they used to people used to pelt this ball. I remember, and it used to like <laughs> you just had to dodge out the way. It was like a proper council estate game, like dangerous. <laughs> that, that was quite good fun. I don't know if you played that one. We never played that one, no. Well, my favourite was headers and volleys, but we used to play like I mean, it's curbs or curb, we'd call it, you know. Yeah, that, that was a big one. Yeah, we were we were out playing sort of dusk till dawn in these sort of goals. But tell us how your your project started to develop. Obviously, you sort of identified that this might actually be a good little project. And how did you sort of grow yeah. it and start finding out about where the goals were and visiting places and stuff? Yeah, sure. Oh, the, the project, I mean, my work, the body of work I do normally it's very people focused and as always a lot of the projects I've done in the past have had lots of human involvement and people involvement and <clears throat> different organizations and I think when I started Urban Goals I was a bit worn out by 
some of the other projects I had on. So I, I like the idea of it just being me looking for the goals, shooting the goals. You know, it was it was a nice escape for me. But I, I very quickly realised, <clears throat> like, the sort of the power of the image that it had and the, the stories it told in, in, a, in a very simple frame. And I found that very, um, you know, very appealing as a photographer to shoot that, you know. Um, mm. I kind of wanted... The idea was to shoot the goals to get an interest in a local community and then start involving local football teams and you know kids playing locally but it really took off the kind of just just the goalposts and just the, that 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 image of the goalposts wherever it will, would be you know um and i just decided to go with it i thought if it's working you know and it, i like the message it, it sort of told because as we spoke about earlier i mean it shows these these goals are all empty they're, they're all old so there's not a lot of new ones going up so it kind of tells that tale of like social social deprivation and economic kind of um, you know underfunding in areas and also changing habits of play and how how kids today live their lives you know like on Xboxes or or you know playing Sims or Minecraft or whatever FIFA in the house they're not outdoors playing football in the street like we necessarily would as kids you know so mm. I sort of I liked all that about it and. I like the idea of it, the, the story it told of the the neighbourhoods it came from and they come from. That's why I, you know, you've probably seen the, the goals. I just titled them the neighbourhood and the city where they're from, you know, and I always try and get it as local as I can to try and highlight these areas, you know, to show that these places, these are where footballers come from at the end of the day. I mean, you know, all, 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 all footballers, professional now at any level, started out playing on these goalposts, didn't they? Like we all did as kids. Mm. I, what I like, I'm looking at some of the photos now, and if you're listening, the website, I'll repeat it a couple of times, but the website is urbangoals.tumblr.com. I'll uh, put it on social media, but I'm just looking at some of the photos now. What's interesting to me is not just the images of themselves, but you can imagine what went on. And you can also sort of, you can just sort of, in your mind's eye, think about who who was playing there and then you yeah. then you can probably think about what happened to them mm. what happened to the people there it's just it's just really interesting sort of sociological snapshot yeah. even though there's no action in them yeah definitely i mean you can imagine at, at some point in that goal's lifespan it, it, it was someone's wembley wasn't it? it was someone's you know yeah. main road or anfield or goodison park or or you know any any of you like you know insert your own local team's ground sort of there it's someone's mm. hopes and dreams were played out there and i think that's kind of cool to to understand the history of those goals you know because some of them must be 40 years old easy you know a lot of people playing isn't it over the years yeah and you could we used to cram a lot of people in so you could in a, in a space i'm just looking at one your photos now urban goals in middles per se even though there's a waste paper bin in the way now which i don't know put that there the, the mid one of the middles were ones um you can just imagine you could you could probably have like 10 kids playing that thing and then yeah you know on another day someone else might come in and play and you know just in one goal you could have like potentially hundreds of people with your memories of playing there it's um yeah really interesting concept and what i also like is looking at your photos is there's a photo of one in glasgow in pollock shields which lo it looks like a f on the side of a factory so yeah like, i know that one so it's just interesting, isn't it? That it wasn't just as necessarily in an urban street where the kids. I bet, I bet no, there's some no. weird and wonderful places you found them. Of course, mate. One of my favourite ones was early on in the project uh, in Vauxhall, which is a part of like North Liverpool. 
near the docks and um, it was in a, under a railway arch. And when I was shooting it, the, the garage, the mechanic garage there, the guy came out and told me the story of it. And basically there's a traveler's site next to that. And they, they painted that so they could play football with the traveler kids at, in the lunch break. You know what I mean? So it's not always about kids in neighborhoods. It, it's, it's staff on their, you know, the lunch hour having a kickabout in, in, the, in the summer. You know, it's, they've all got their own little tale to tell. So um, they're all quite unique, aren't yeah. they? In many ways. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're also a, shot, a snapshot in, of, of various things, sort of urban decay, you could call it, or regeneration and yeah. change in, in use of things. And, you know, you probably got some on sites that are now derelict, but at one point, you know, might have housed, you know, quite thriving businesses, factories and stuff. Yeah, and exactly. Just, just looking at uh, England or Britain, I guess you've done it all over in a sort of from a different angle um what would you say where's the furthest you've been to travel to find some to take some photos well belfast i've been to belfast um over in northern ireland i've been to glasgow bristol in the south southwest so these are all i'm, I'm i live in i'm based in liverpool so they're all um all little trips i'll take you know what i mean i've obviously i've been to london as well um but yeah i'd say probably Miles away, Glasgow's the furthest maybe from from here that I've been. That's um, pretty cool. Have you, do you do you have a moment when I don't know? Maybe if you're like a bird watcher and you find a you see a bird through your your, your binoculars and it's just one and it, and you or yeah. you come across it and you do you have a moment when you turn a corner and you see a goal and you're like whoa this is you know yeah it's, it's always a really good feeling yeah I mean you know a lot all these trips let's just say I, I find. 30 to 40 goals in an area. I write, I write down the locations and I'll go to like, I don't know, Leeds or or Belfast or Bradford or whatever. I, I don't know if they're going to be there. I mean, you know, there's been plenty of times when the goal's gone for whatever reason. The, the house could have been knocked down or they've they've just painted the wall or there's all kinds of things that can happen. So there's always a moment of anticipation when I'm, when I'm walking up to the goal around the corner, let's just say. And, you know, when it's there, you, you can't help but sort of, you know, you get, I get a buzz off it, put it that way, you know. I think I put that on Twitter too, that they're actually a really, really pure form of street art, really, and they they should be they should be seen in not just a, an etching of, of kids, but in, a, in in something that yeah is is almost artistic in a way and representative of a almost a different way of life. I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they all tell their own little story. I, I like the way if you look at them as a as a whole, you can always tell the ones that are like that their dads painted them or their uncles painted them or their mum or whatever. They're like perfect, you know, sometimes the dad, let's just say, might be a painter and decorator and the goal is absolutely perfect. And then there'll be another goal where some 10-year-old kid painted it and the crossbar is not straight because he's on his tiptoes. I, I love the little nuances that they've all got, you know, and all the little details that they tell that aren't necessarily immediate sort of, you know, things that you would or pick. Or the, uh, the stanchion things, you know, those little circles in the corners, like yeah. some of them. Have got yeah, them yeah, 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 yeah. I've got a couple. I shot one in um, somewhere up in Yorkshire. Oh my God! It's, 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 I can't remember the name of the town now. Thomas, so many towns. I forgot which one it was. Um, yeah. And there's a whole. They've got the they've got stanchions, a net. The whole thing's painted in almost a 3D style. You know what I mean? Oh, so right. it's, on, it's on a brick wall. I've not I've not released it yet. There's a lot of them that haven't seen the light of day. I guess I was waiting until the book was ready, really. But there is, there's so many different styles of painting them. And I do like the ones where they go all out with the stanchions and the net and, you know, <laughs> they, might, 
they might paint a penalty spot down there if they're feeling particularly lucky. It's uh, I do lo- I love that, you know, about them all. You need someone with some artist artistry to, to be able to do that. I don't think any of my friends would have been able to do much more than uh, yeah. a bit of a chalk. Um, another one I'm looking at is this is a bit of a classic one, and not so far from you in Birkenhead. The one I'm not I won't say her name, poor uh, poor Kathy her surname, but um, Kathy so and so is a smackhead and a grass with three teeth. Yeah, That's right inside the goal. <laughs> that is classic. That is just that, a combination of everything, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I, I actually had that on the. I wrote down a big list. I've got a big list in a notebook of about 700 goals in it, and uh, I add to the list when I find them or people send them in. And I had that on the list. And I hadn't gone and shoot it because it's local and I don't need to stress about it. You know what I mean? And then someone tweeted it in on my Twitter account saying, have you seen this? And it was the graffiti added. And of course, you know, the next day I, I got over to Birkenhead and I shot it because I had to. You know what I mean? I didn't want them to lose that that moment in time. So poor old, um, Kathy. Poor old Kathy. But yeah, I thought it was a real funny addition to that one. Because it wasn't just enough to say she's a smackhead and a grass and <laughs> dentistry as well, as you do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a funny one. I mean, I'll put that on Twitter for everyone to look at. Well, that's a, I think that's probably must it's be a good one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's on the corner of some industrial estate in the old, like, you know, the old docks where, they, you know, years ago there would have been all kinds of stuff going on there. But now it's all like um, glazing companies and, you know, car alarm specialists and things like that. Um, but that's a good goal, that, yeah. I, I, I like that one a lot. Do you have a favourite or is it just like your kids? You ah, it's different for me. I mean, I, I get attached to the goals for different ways. Some of them I have to go back, you know, t- some of them have taken me two years to shoot because when I get there, there could be cars in the way or, or whatever. Um, so I have to keep going back. So I get more attached to those goals. But then there's people like them for all kinds of reasons, don't they? There's, you know... There's a few ones. The ones in Park Hill in Sheffield that um, are like that's not painted on. That's a gold post in a in a public space behind the Park Hill flats there. Um, but that's a favourite of mine, and that's always been a favourite. You know, a popular one with with people on Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that. My favourites are often different to to other people's. It's quite sometimes I put one out there and it people aren't into it, and I, you know, for me it's but it's it's everyone's got their own opinion on stuff, haven't they? I guess. I like the one in the short strand in Belfast, and it's it's just a wall with obviously the the, the gold painted on, but behind us some um, houses with like um, diagonal rooftops. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's good that is. That's really that's, yeah. really that's really cool. That's what almost reminds me of a bit like Stuart Roy Clark, the football photographer. Oh yeah, films yeah, uh, of football and all that. Yeah, he's that that sort of uh, reminiscent of the sort of stuff that he did with ha- housing in in involved as well. So that's that's really cool. Um, what, what's your what's your take on the? Because I it's sort of I find it a bit jarring that just the the proper goals there or the the cages and stuff. I don't for me I don't count. I know yeah. where, where you're coming from. This doesn't count for me. When I first yeah when I first started back in 2015, it, I was very purist about it, and it was only painted on goals. And that was it. But as I started shooting it more and more and traveling to different cities and towns across the UK, I realized that actually they all tell their own story, especially actually the caged ones, because they're they're what the council, various councils are giving to the kids of that neighborhood to play into. And I thought, you know, that's a statement in itself, isn't it? They literally put them in a cage. And, you know, you couple that with the no ball games and all that putting everywhere else. I realized that it was part of the story. So I started to shoot them as well. And 
some of them I really like, you know what I mean? Some of them I just shoot to sort of, to document them and keep, keep, keep sort of content out there for the Twitter or whatever. But they do tell a part of the story. I think that's, you know, you can't deny really, you know what I mean? Um, I think the, the cages is the, is the next generation and street football is still flourishing via those cages in a lot of places. Yeah. And to be yeah. fair, there's a, a fair amount of investment has gone in. It has got kids you know, some kids playing in in the cages and stuff. So I, I get what you're saying. It is an important part of the story. But I think what the problem is, is that those cages are, they're a bit less impromptu than just kicking the ball in the street. So it's a sort of a yeah. physical act of having to walk to that cage, you know, yeah. playing. And it's almost a bit slightly organised, whereas yeah. the, the street we were talking about was far more literally out your door kicking it off the wall we used to annoy the get the neighbors by kicking off the garages and stuff like that but yeah. a bit more a bit more old school a bit more organic i guess yeah no they are undeniable yeah i mean a lot a lot of them the photographs and you have the paint on ones and they've got you know a, there's a window perilously close to the goal and you you can't look at that image and not think i wonder how many footballs have gone through that window you know what i mean or into people's gardens as well. That was yeah. always an occupational hazard. Course, can, I yeah. can I have a ball back, please? Yeah. And there was Excuse always one poor neighbour that used to get hammered because their, their garden was from near the wall or wherever you were playing. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me, have you seen that other uh, account, Lost Footballs, on Twitter? They're cool. I think, yeah, I thought, I, I wasn't sure if that was related to what you were doing. It obviously, it's all visually, but you're, nothing to do with you. It's a separate one, is it? No, yeah, I don't. I mean, I've spoke to the guys. We've like DM'd on Twitter and stuff, but it's, yeah, I'm not. It's nothing to do with me that one. You know what I mean? I just, um, just something with sort of, I don't know, a, a similar style of content, I guess, isn't it? You know? Yeah, it's definitely linked. It's like people playing in in your goals and the ball end up on someone's roof or something like that. And sometimes yeah. watching the lost balls is quite, yeah, it's quite a sad sight, isn't it? For Lord, yeah. like a, a ball yeah. that's deflated. Or do you remember um, we used to play? Uh, on the sort of a grass pitch as well up in Eastern District in Northampton and it that was before you had cages in fact I think we would probably prefer just playing on grass you know with jumpers for goalposts but um yeah. the ball would it was quite raised up so the ball would roll down the hill into the road and I remember it was always the ball would go down and then like someone like me or you know, whoever else would chase 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 after it and then you'd see a car come in and it was always that moment of is it going to come Sometimes it would go to the car and then it would get mangled or popped. And then sometimes yeah. it would miss by inch or whatever. But yeah, it was um, that high in your mouth. Great when, when the car drove over the ball and it was still fine. Everyone's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the orange inner tubes of football as well? When you saw them, they were like weird. Like there was, Or if you had like a... If you had like a flyaway football, whatever from the shot, that would have no chance of surviving. But just yeah. uh, just brings up. I think like this is really nice because it's just bringing up loads of memories of street football. Yeah, it was, it was an important part. Like I said, playing football and we didn't have a lot else to do. Um, what what do you make to the decline of street football and the stuff we've been talking about? Do you think do you think it is obviously it's still going on in cages? But do you think do you think it's a sad thing or do you think people would it might change in the future. I think it is a sad thing. I mean, it, it must still be going on because, you know, you, you touched on it earlier there about the cages. It's a lot more organised. And I think that that's what's happened. If you look at the rise of like, you know, the five-a-side pitches and there's a lot more teams and even at young young age, people are getting more organised with the football. And I, I guess that's, 
you know, there's pros and cons to it, isn't it? Like like many things, uh, Tom. So I think it's sad in a way because it's part of not seeing kids play out anymore, and that's a shame. But they must still be playing football because you know the England squad at the minute is arguably one of the best squads you've had in a while, isn't it? And you know they're, they're relatively young. Um, yeah, I guess it's, it links into, you know, it's just quite a generalisation, but it probably it links into <clears throat> kids having access to more stuff that, than we had to an extent, and maybe yeah. slightly better. And, and yeah. you know, if you, uh, you know, if you show a kid now a jump jump is for goalposts, I know it, it brings it about a pure joy of football, but you probably prefer some sort of nice, nice goal set or whatever. And then yeah, nice, nice facilities. Then you've got the whole uh, academisation of football, so people in football want to play football for Premier League academies and stuff. But yeah. funny enough, some of the stuff I've read about coaching and the way it's going for youth football is that there are um, a lot of clubs, especially in Holland, are sort of turning their backs on getting kids out in you know big goals and stuff, and they're they're actually turning towards more uh, sort of old school ways of just letting kids play to their own imagination. I think that, yeah. that's a useful thing. Yeah. Well, there's probably, I mean, look at, you know, when, a, uh, obviously for me, Urban Goals, the, the spiritual home is the UK and definitely Liverpool because there's an abundance of them here. But you've only got to look at places like, you know, Rio in, in Brazil or any any of those major cities in Brazil where these kids play yeah. football and, they've, and Argentina. And these teams have traditionally been some of the best football players the world's produced for, for decades, right? Um, and they're all very much sort of street football and kind of, you know, it must develop the skills somewhat if you kind of play in a condensed air, you know, a confined space and, you know, these things must have an impact on it. I was in Spain recently, sort of last, well, October just gone. And I, I was Barcelona. I was trying to shoot some goals out there because anywhere I go, I try and, you know, capture some goals. And I noticed then how organised they were in Barcelona. There's, there was like, I found four in the whole city, but there was lots and lots of pitches. But even on a Sunday, there was all these kids and they're like seven, eight, nine years old. And there was referees and linesmen and there was crowds there watching them. It was really, really uber organised. And it, it, it was it was a surprise, really, to see that. You know, there was no street football like, like we'd know it. Mm, I think uh, Spain had put a hell of a lot of investment in their youth development because that's how it's going to drive their success going forward but uh, mm-hmm. maybe in English street football the, the beauty was in the lack of organisation of it and I think yeah. I think you, I think when you when you're trying to create players that are going to be world class you do need that individuality and the ability to produce a, a player organically that's Gonna be able to think for themselves, like someone like Paul Gascoigne. He's probably for me one of the last great players we we've had that yeah. that would have played in the street, would have went to a boys' club in Newcastle. And uh, funny enough, I'm looking at uh, the internet now, and there's a guy called Luke O'Neill who plays for Sunderland, and he's just posted a video on Twitter, and all he's doing is kicking a tennis ball up against the wall. Yeah. And he's showing superb school, to be fair. Really good control. He's like catching yeah. it on his left foot, his right foot and stuff like that. But it just shows you that, you know, sometimes that's all you need. A ball and a wall and you're away, really. Old school methods, of course. Yeah, it's going to, I think it's going to develop sort of different styles of play, isn't it? And, you know, if you're learning the game in that environment, I would imagine, you should, you know, that would encourage creativity, wouldn't it? And sort of you're thinking around, sort of, you know, one-touch passing and kind of, you know, that style of play. 
you know what I mean? Because you've got to be quick on your feet, haven't you? Quick and quick on the ball, you know. When I was growing up, we used to we used to play with older kids. We used to play with a whole range of ages, and you'd learn from the older people, and you know you learn this from the school of hard knocks as well. But there yeah. definitely was there definitely was something to it. And I speak to a lot of youth coaches and stuff, and they they say there's definitely something lost in the modern age of just getting kids in academies and coaching the hell out of them from a young age. There's definitely yeah. something lost from that street football and schools football and stuff like that that and that's maybe why England although they do produce a very good side when they come up against your Croatias and your people like that we just fall slightly short players like Gaza were, were glorious to watch because of what you could do on the ball make a make something out of nothing okay you know what I mean and you know I think a lot of, if you if you overly coach players from a young age um, and keep them in a, in a thinking about a media sort of spotlight role you know, with it, stay under the radar, sort of be like everyone else, not yourself. Ultimately, that could breed footballers who are just doing as they're told rather than doing what they feel. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I agree completely. And But I think coaching is sort of taking a shift back to more towards a more of a freestyle, uh, organic sort of way of doing things. I think I think there's a general realisation in coaching that maybe it went a bit too far in trying yeah. to play in, in a similar way. So... What's what's next for Urban Goals then? Because obviously you're still always on the lookout for always, for, yeah. You know, new places. But is it something you thought about going properly abroad with it? And you know, I'd love to, Tom. I mean, to be, the whole project's self-funded. So I'm, I'm a photographer. That's what I do for a job. Um, I'm lucky enough that I sell a few prints from the project and stuff. So I, I do earn from it. But most all those trips are self-funded. So you know, um, it doesn't come cheap. So that's why I've it's taken us it's taken five years to compile it ready for i'm getting ready for a book now i'm hoping if i get a publisher and it goes out and it sells well maybe i'll get the funding available to do you know a european book or or china or you know south america um i have been looking for goals abroad and i've found some in places like marseille and naples and lisbon um Mm. berlin you know these are places I've already been looking and I've been already thinking, right, that's a potential trip. But obviously, as I say, when you're self-employed and it's self-funded, there's only a certain yeah. amount of things I can I can do, unfortunately. You know what I mean? Um, Sounds to me like that's something the uh, the Football Association should be helping to fund because it's a real it's a real important part of our of our fo- football culture and yeah, you know, we, sh- we should be yeah. promoting street football. So I would have thought something like. The, the football museum or the FA that would be I don't know if you've approached them but some you know well, it should be you should get a bit of backing what I'm what I'm keen to do is to uh, anyone listening and I'll put it on social media a little call and stuff is to get some urban goals from Northampton and get you to come and do Northampton because there is there are loads and all the outlining um, council estates in Northampton there's loads sort of hanging about but you just need the right information so if anyone's listening just get in touch with what load of cobblers on Twitter or Urban Goals or you know however you can do it and let you know and you can come down to Northampton and get a few of our ones because we've, we've got a few I'd love that Tom I really would I mean I'm all, you know the, I, I love it when people send in goals it it saves me a lot of work and effort <laughs> Um, but yeah. I, I, I love that interaction as well. I mean, that's part of the thing I wanted to set up was to sort of, you know, get people thinking about it and, you know, you know, getting involved, basically. I think social media is an important tool, really, because 
like you say, some of them are actually a little bit hidden or they're in a little corner of some estate somewhere or something that you might you wouldn't just sort of fall upon. So if we yeah. can get people to to share it and then the more the more you uncover, hopefully people start discussing discussing street football a bit more and start to say, you know, how things have changed and how can we get kids back to playing in the street without the uh no ball signs culture, you know, the yeah, neighbours don't like the bouncing noise of a bouncing ball. There's got to be a bit of a balance there to get kids out playing again. Exactly. I mean, you know, a lot of people will moan about the noise they're making, but they moan about the kids sitting indoors on computers all the time. Well, you can't have you can't have it both, can you? You've got to make sacrifices. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm sure you agree with me. You'd rather the kids are out playing football, you know, than sitting indoors watching TV or on the Xbox or whatever. You know what I mean? We, we seem to our generation grew up on. You know, you you say the summer holidays, you go out in the morning, and your mum and dad wouldn't see you until it was tea time. That was that was standards. Yeah. You know, no 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 grown ups around to to either protect us or watch what we were doing or whatever. We just go out and and play. And I couldn't imagine kids doing that these days. Not really. Not you know, there will, there will be places where some kids do that, but majority of kids are kept under a tight leash. And I think that's a real shame, man. I think that's. Um, you know, it's one of the many things I wanted to tell within the project and get people thinking about, really. Yeah, and it's really, it's just interesting that just through some fairly simple images, you know, of, of goals that we can we can have this discussion about, you know, culture in England and yeah. the yeah. way sports go in. And it's, you'd think just doing a project on urban goals would just be, just be what it is, but it's opened up so many different avenues for you to talk about. and Definitely. Um, for us to, to think about and Definitely. yeah keep doing it because i i really enjoy it and um i'm looking forward to your book when it comes out so give me a shout when that comes out i will mate. yeah i mean even though you know i want to get a book done it'll never be the end of it i'll never not take these pictures it'll just become another long-term project that i'm happy to do and you know you know um i'd love it the idea was always to get the uk covered because obviously the uk you know the, the the beautiful game as we call it was invented here wasn't it and there is an there is an international love of the english game you know anywhere you go in the world um you know there'll be people into premiership clubs or or whatever that these things is it's world famous so there's that kind of interest that helps with the project's sort of publicity but i'd like to go other places i'd love a uk book and a europe book and a, you know that would be amazing i'll have to see how that goes there's, there's definitely there's definitely scope for that and what I'd say to anyone listening is if you see a uh, urban goal anywhere and it's looking a bit tired, like a chalked on or whatever, just get your chalk out and chalk it in. Yeah, it get chalk it in, man. Get, get, give it a lick of paint. That'd be great. Don't don't change the design too much and don't definitely don't paint over it because that's just sacrilege. So uh, if you see anyone <laughs> painting over it, you can tell them. <laughs> but thanks for taking the time to talk to me, mate. It's been really interesting. And um, we'll just... If you just give the uh, listeners your your website address and your Twitter and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, sure. The website is urbangoals.tumblr.com. And then there's a Twitter, which is Urban Goals. And I'm on Instagram also, which is urban underscore goals. Uh, I like that if you can send them in via Twitter, that's always great. I'll always give them a retweet and stuff. And if I can get a location, I put it on the list. And if I'm really lucky, one day I'll get down there and shoot it you know what i mean i'd love that that's brilliant and hopefully we get you some few more from northampton the uh, street football team in northampton but thanks again for talking to me and we'll speak to you mate take care pleasure tom take care cheers mate bye bye 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.